Good morning. Again. <clears throat> I'm excited this morning. Got a, uh, a word that has really helped me a bunch. Um, I'd heard Pastor Stephen Furtick share this around February this year, and it just, it really hit my heart. Stepped on my toes, kind of made me think, wow, you know. So I, I hope it blesses you as much as it has me and is still continuing to bless me. Every time I read it, every time I study it, it just, it hits me every time. All right, 2 Samuel, we're going to move through some verses. Uh, we're talking about David still. Do you guys remember the uh, war and the weapon? In December, we talked about David fighting Goliath. Um, David, at that time, had been anointed to be king, fought Goliath. He was, he was in his 10-foot-tall and bulletproof stage. And nobody could tell. I mean, he was just he was on fire. 2 Samuel 18.33 Then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said this, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. There's different translations of this. One says the king was shaken. The king was extremely sad. I've heard the king was deeply moved. This hit David to his core. We see a difference between the David in 2 Samuel and the David in 1 Samuel. The David in 1 Samuel, man, he's on, he, Goliath's over there talking about us? Well, let me, have, let me add him, you know? And in 2 Samuel, we see David is shaken. Has anybody ever had your confidence shaken? I'm talking shaken to the core. Anybody ever had your faith shaken? There's an old saying that says, going into a fight, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And there's a lot of truth to that. Then, then all of a sudden, everything, whoa, whoa, that just hit, and everything's out. Let's go on to uh, 2 Samuel 19, verse 1 through 4. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. I want to Take right there, the victory was turned into mourning. Do you know that's what the enemy wants to do in our life? The enemy wants to take our victories and turn them into things that aren't triumphant for us. It's the exact opposite of what God does. Go ahead with verse 3. And the people stole back into the city that day as people who are ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. Are you catching that? They, they sneak back into the city... Because they're ashamed. They, and, and I'm going to give you the, the backstory of everything going on here as to how we got to, in this place. And verse 4, But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom! Oh, Absalom, my son! My son. My brother, oldest brother, lost a son. And I couldn't, couldn't imagine the grief and the, the pain that he felt. David had just lost a son. So the grief, what he is feeling right now, when you hear about how this all transpired, it's really, wow, it'll, it'll blow your mind. You know that you can experience, experience depression and failure in a season of success? How many times on the outside your life looks so great, you should be happy, but man, on the inside, when you were alone, you were just torn up. Chester Bennington, uh, Chris Cornell. I can name several musicians that on the outside... Super talented people on the outside looked like they had it all together and killed themselves. Why? 
experiencing depression and sadness in a season of success. Our life is not determined by, our, by the events that happen to us, but it's determined by our ability to process what happens to us, those events. David has lost so much, his army is, is in shame. His army is sneaking back into the city. They're ashamed of, of what has happened that day. They actually won a victory, and they're sneaking back into the city because they are ashamed. His focus is so narrowed on what he has lost that he's about to lose what he has left. Time for the backstory. Everybody has a backstory, don't we? We all do. Events, things that happen to you that, that this is why you are where you're at, why you are how you are. It's a backstory. Everybody say dysfunction. 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 We all got them, right? We all do. I got three points I'm going to make in this message. Point number one, your dysfunction does not disqualify you from service. Isn't that awesome? Your problems do not prevent you from, service, from serving God. God throughout history has used, and the Bible is so amazing because God has, has used people with problems. He's used people with dysfunctions, some pretty bad ones, but they had faith. And God will honor your faith. There's hope for me if God can use people like this. I want, to, I want you to catch something. When David fought Goliath, he fought him at a distance. He had to. Goliath was huge, long arms. I'm, I'm sure his sword was probably every bit as big as David was. So he had to fight him at a distance, which is fine. But we're going to look at David because David actually began to live his life at a distance, kind of holding everything back, keeping everything pushed away. Everybody, anybody heard the story of Bathsheba? Bathsheba. David, we're going to keep this PG because I do know it is family Sunday. <laughs> David did spy on her taking a bath, and her name was Bathsheba. I often wonder, what if he had spied her across the room eating pizza? Which, <laughs> would she have been little Caesarina? So, <laughs> um, but I want you to catch that it wasn't so much where David was that got him into trouble, but where he wasn't. See, this was in a time when the kings go to war. They had a season of war. All the kings would get together and go to battle. And David stayed behind. He was not where he should have been. So then he encounters her. You know, when we encounter temptation, I've noticed this in my life that the Bible says God always gives a way out. But I got to tell you, man, there's been so many times in my life I'm like, I never saw it. But then the more I look back, a lot of times it was 50 yards back from where I made my decision. A lot of times there was, a way, there was always a way out, but I pushed it too far. Point number two, this is very important. You cannot fulfill your purpose when you're out of position. Every one of you have a, have a purpose. You understand that? We all have a purpose in this life. You have family, you have friends, you have people in your sphere of influence that, that I can't reach. And I've got people in mind that you can't reach. We all have a purpose, but we cannot fulfill it if we're out of position. David committed the sin. Now, the sin is wrong, correct? Sin is wrong. But sometimes I, I think how we respond when we sin can often be more detrimental to our Christian walk than even the sin itself sometimes. Because we, we have a choice when we sin. Do, do I respond to God's grace? And do I see what he has done for me and be like, oh, man, I totally blew it? 
or do I respond to shame? Because the enemy comes at me as soon as I mess up, and he's just throwing this stuff at me. Shame. You can't even, you shouldn't even be up here, Jimmy. You shouldn't be playing and singing. Who are you? The enemy throws this at me. David responded to shame. He ended up having her husband killed. If you guys get a chance, we're going to move through a lot of the story pretty quick. If you guys get a chance, read this on your own at home as well. I apologize. I've been... Um, David responded to shame. He ended up having her husband killed. He ended up making a ton of bad decisions regarding this. A ton. Now, the thing about life is you can pick your decisions, right? But you oftentimes cannot pick the consequences that come from those decisions. We're going to see that David is the king of dysfunction. A lot of dysfunction in this family. I want to tell you about one of his sons. His son, this is the one that, that died, named Absalom. If we could uh, put up 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25 through 26. Now in all of Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish my translation says no defect in him. Man, can you imagine looking in the mirror and thinking, there is no defect in me at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? You imagine this guy? And when he had cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels. This is approximately two pounds of hair. Two pounds of hair this guy would cut off every year. Does anybody remember Fabio? Am I dating myself here? Fabio had the, the of course, his was straight. But anyhow, at 200 shekels, according to the king's standard, Absalom, good-looking guy, had it all together. David had another son named Amnon. And I'm going to, like I said, I am going to keep this PG. Amnon hurt his sister, Tamar. Um, and David's son... There's was, there was a lot of dysfunction going on. David's son, Absalom, avenged Tamar and had Amnon killed. And as, we, as I read this story, I still see David kind of keeping everything off at a distance. He's not, not really getting involved like he should. He's just kind of keeping everything kind of held back. David is disengaged. Man, there's such a huge danger, danger in that. Has anybody ever been disengaged? There's two different types of disengagement. One is unintentional, and I guess it could be called intentional, but unintentional was kind of like uh, I was away from social media for many, many years. Actually, never was on it at all until about a year and a half ago. And then, man, when I first got it, it was like, and you realize, I mean, it's just this huge time consumption. You know, you sit down and you just want to see what's going on and your news pages you like or whatever and stuff like that. Next thing you know, 30, 45 minutes gone. And... And then there's intentional dis disengagement. Intentional disengagement. You know, it's where I struggle with things going on in my life, and I wonder if, if I've got what it takes to deal with it. So sometimes when I'm, I'm not sure that I do, I kind of pull away. There's times where the challenge of responsibility will make you walk away want to do anything and everything to not do what you should. You know, sometimes disengagement can be misconstrued as laziness or apathy. 
But oftentimes that's the farthest thing from the truth. Because deep down inside, I care about the situation. I care about the people. I'm not lazy. I just don't know how. I don't know how. I'm wondering if I have what it takes and I'm scared to find out that maybe I don't. And disengagement will hit different areas of your life. There's been times I've been disengaged as a father. There's times I'm disengaged as a husband. Times I'm disengaged in church. Times I'm disengaged in, in so many different walks in my life. You know there's a difference in going to church and being in church? Right? There's a difference in coming home from work. Hi, honey, I'm home. And being home. Hey, kids, come give me a hug. You know what I mean? There's a difference, right? Huge difference. Have you ever got home from work and wished you could turn around and go back? <laughs> I think everybody has. And so, boy, you're like, you walk in the house and it's just crazy. Kids are going nuts and you're like, oh, man. There's a difference between having a child and being a mom or a dad. Amen? I disengage not because I don't care, but because I don't know. We're going to jump around just a little bit. The title of this message is called The Gate. And I want to talk to you about the gates of a city. A city would have outer gates, and the outer gates could be locked as a defense. The city would also have inner gates. And what transpired between these two gates was the business of the city that day. The market would be on the lining the gates. The uh, witnesses... Let's see, Caden. He's in my class. I like Caden, he's a good guy. Say Caden comes to me and he tells me he's got this uh, zero-turn mower. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> he's got this zero-turn mower that he wants to sell me for 150 bucks. Man, and it's, that's cheap. That's cheap. That's real cheap. So I'm like, yeah, I, I want to buy that. So we would go before there would be witnesses in these gates. We would go before the witnesses in these gates and they would witness our transaction. So he couldn't come back on me and say, you didn't pay me for that. You know what I mean? So there would be witnesses, there would be judges. There. You still got to deal with that when you get home, though, Caden. So, uh, there would be judges at the gates. There would be people at the gates to handle the city's business. And I want to throw another scripture in here, Matthew 16, 18. You don't have to put it up. When Jesus said, because this hit me as I was preparing this, when Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates, what happened between the gates? The business, the business of hell, the judgments of hell cannot prevail against you because you are the church. Amen? Whatever hell has, has transpired or, or conjured up to, to destroy you with, not going to happen because you are the church. Will not stand, will not prevail against you. Now I want you to catch Absalom ends up fleeing. After Amnon is killed, he disappears for a while. He finally gets word that he can come back to be in Jerusalem. For two years, he asked Joab, can, can, will the king send for me? Will the king see me? David wouldn't see him. David's holding it at a distance. Because I don't want to face, man, you know, I got this area of my life that everybody sees it's my, it's my profile picture. Everybody sees it, and it's cool. But then on the, in the deep shadows, I've got this area of my life that I don't want anybody to see. And David's got that area, and he's like, eh, let's keep it pushed away. I don't want to have to deal with that right now. 
I got other things going on right now. I'm trying to, trying to do this, trying to do that. I, I, just, I just don't want to deal with that right now. But what Absalom does is because David's not in the place. David got out of position when he was walking around on the rooftop, right? And he's been out of position ever since. So what Absalom does is Absalom begins standing in the gate. And the people would come in and say, man, I've got this problem. And Absalom would say, if I were king, I know what I would do. I always picture him saying, if I were king of the forest, like the, especially with the hair. So now, now I've just destroyed your vision of Absalom. Um, so Absalom would stand at the gate and say, if I were king, I know what I would do. I know what I would do. If I were king, I would handle it this way. And I have no doubt that David even could hear some of the conversations going on and still did nothing. And what eventually happened is the hearts of the people started turning toward Absalom. He won their hearts. He would listen to them. And I want to tell you something. There is something, there is someone competing for the hearts of those that you love. Someone is competing for the hearts of your kids, your family. And if you're not standing in the gate and watching what is coming through your gates, something is competing for their hearts. So Absalom stands at the gate. I want to tell you, if you're not in the gate of your own life, your intentions, where you intend that life to go, your life to go, will be overthrown. Your direction will be thrown off course. David ends up having to flee Jerusalem. Absalom's men, they are plotting this conspiracy against David. His own son. David ends up having to flee Jerusalem. You know, if you're willing to concede or give up one little position in your life, you will probably lose a lot more than you ever thought you wanted to. Amen? If you're willing to concede and give up one little thing in your life, you're, you're going to lose a lot more than you, you planned on. So in the woods of Ephraim, Absalom is riding on a mule. And his hair, those lovely locks of hair, get caught in a branch as he's riding under the tree. And he's stuck. You know, it's interesting that the thing that makes you great outwardly is often the thing that makes you vulnerable in inwardly. The thing that makes you great outwardly makes you vulnerable inwardly. Joab finds out, and he's like, hmm, we got to kill him. David had given word, don't harm my son. I know this stuff's going on. I know he's trying to kill me, but man, don't harm, he's my son. Don't harm him. Joab runs three spears into him. Absalom is killed. So this brings us to where we're at. David is shaken. David is in the chamber above the gate, and he feels responsible because he's lived his life at a distance at this point. He's kept everything just pushed away. I couldn't imagine for two years not being able to go talk to my dad. To be able to go stand outside his gate, will dad see me now? No, not today. I couldn't imagine that. David is shaken and he says, if only it had been me. If only I had died in your place. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 5 through 7. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all of your servants. Who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives, and the lives of your concubines. 
Man, sometimes we need a Joab in our life. We need somebody that, what are you doing? Wake up, right? Does anybody have anybody like that in your life that tells you, hey, man, you're messing up. This, this isn't smart. And that you love your enemies, even though it's his son, it's his enemy. And hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. One more. Now therefore arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, no one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Joab is saying, look, if you don't stand up and do what you're supposed to do, you're going to be worse off than you have ever been. All of your men are ready to leave. You have shamed us. We want a victory. We want a battle. And you have shamed us. We had to steal into the city like we had lost everything. Why do we attach ourselves to the things that sabotage our soul? Why do we keep chasing what's walking away at the expense of what God has already given us? I do it all the time. David said, if only it was me. If only. You ever said those words? If only I hadn't done that. If only I had done that differently. David is defeated. He's not, I'm sorry, he's not defeated, but he's disengaged. He has the victory, right? They won the victory. But David's not acting like it. Not acting like it at all. He's the king, but he is out of position. He has lost his passion because he is out of position. 2 Samuel 19.8. Then the king arose. David did something so simple. And so profound here. The king arose and sat in the gate. So simple. He sat in the gate. See, David's been near the gate. He's lived his life. He's kind of been watching the gate. He's been above the gate in isolation as he's been mourning Absalom. He's been all around the gate. He could see the gate. He knew what was going on at the gate to a degree. But he's not been in the gate. He's been out of position. David simply sat down in the gate. And by doing that, he spoke volumes without saying a word. He simply came in and sat down. And I bet his tears weren't even dry yet from his son's death. And he said, you know, I've made some mistakes. But I'm back. I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But I'm here. I'm back. I'm, I'm here right now. I wish I could change some things. I wish I could do things differently. But right now, I'm back. Amen? We need to rise up from the fear and the shame that has paralyzed us spiritually for so long and step back in our gates. Because if we're not guarding our gates... Whatever comes through that gate is going to end up on our doorstep. And we're going to have to deal with it. We need to get back in position, back in purpose, and back in praise. Last thing I want you to catch on this. The place of power 
is in the gate. The place of power is in the gate. When David sat down, they told all the people, saying, there is the king sitting in the gate. When David sat down, all of his men came to him. What David needed, catch this, his army came to him. What's the king fight the battle with? His army. All of his weapons came to him when he sat down in position. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been trying to fight battles. And now that I, when I heard this, I look back and I was like, man, I'm trying to fight and I'm out of position and my weapons are, are 30 yards that way and I'm trying to fight from over here when I need to be moving. I need to be somewhere different. I need to be taking charge. We need to live intentionally. We need to act intentionally. We need to think intentional. Be intentional about our thoughts because if we're not, man, the enemy's just going to run through those gates of ours. And the good thing about it is once we have our weapons in place, God's goodness and mercy follows. Amen? If David had dealt with Absalom at the gate, Absalom wouldn't have had to die in the forest. Point number three, this is my last point. You don't have to be perfect, just present. Was David perfect when he sat down here in the gate, when he took his seat back? Had everything been figured out? No, not at all. Not at all. Far from it. But he was present. He said, I'm hurting, but I'm here, God. It's hard. It's hard right now because, man, I lost my son. He was killed by my own men. And, and all the, the things that happened to get me to this point are my fault. But I'm here. Amen? I want to ask you this morning, are there areas in your life where you could say, yeah, I've, I've kind of disengaged. I can see areas in my life I've not been the husband I should be. I've not been the father I should be. I've, not, I've kind of disengaged from church. I, I come to church, but I really don't press into God. And my life through the weeks just been this, you know, I don't know, just not, don't feel, not feeling like I've got much power when I'm walking. Not feeling like he's with me. You know, so many times in our life, in my life, when I haven't been in situations, when I've been in situations where I haven't felt God's presence, it's so many times I had moved. He never moved. He never left. He never leaves us or forsakes us. But I had walked away. Go ahead and stand. Everyone bow your head. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're showing us and revealing to us. Thank you for helping us grow. God, I ask that there, if there be anyone who says, I need to take my place, I need to step back into the gate. I need to stand for my family. I need to stand for my friends. I need to, I need to get in position. God, that you help them do that. Lord, I ask that you just continue to give us strength, continue to help our walk. Father, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, God, I ask that you just continue to reveal yourself through your word and people in their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.